Hello and welcome to Delightful. I'm your host, Lisa McCrowan. Delightful is where science and psychology meet spirituality and creativity to help you follow what delights your heart and live a life you deeply love. Welcome to Delightful. I am so glad that you are here and that you are tuning in today. Today, we are all about helping you get more rest and sleep, how to get more of it, how to nourish yourself throughout the day, how to feel rejuvenated and resourced and nourished, because so many of us are walking around exhausted, tired, frazzled, and overwhelmed. And I cannot wait to share with you these practices and to talk about, we're going to talk about sleep and rest. We're going to talk about shifting things so that we move out of this pattern of go, 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 and then feeling overwhelmed, and then we collapse or numb out. So much of my work as a therapist and a coach is helping people to learn how to rest throughout their day so that they can integrate their experiences and they can nourish their senses and to add a buffer from all those pings and dings and all those things that distract us in our day. Because when you are rested, you are grounded. You have more access to your creativity. You, your, your body is less tense and constricted. You have less inflammation in your body. And you just, you make better decisions. And you can see the good in your life. So, so in, in my work, I have seen such a shift over the past couple of decades in my work as a therapist and coach. I've seen more anxiety, more depression, more ADD, ADHD type symptoms. And so I know that rest now, rest is the new superpower. Learning how to rest to let go of the stimulation that's in our everyday lives and learning how to come back home to ourselves is a skill. It is a superpower that all of us can learn. Today, I'm going to bring my understanding of the nervous system, my work with clients in both coaching and therapy, and my experience as a parent. I'm going to talk a lot about parenting and what our children need. And, I, and, and I'm going to get pretty serious about this because I feel very strongly because I want to help our teens be resourced because I hear from way too many people things that are happening with teens. So, so some of this might be triggering and I'm going to talk very frank and straightforward. So just know that I'm going to be talking about some stuff that our teens are experiencing and just to know that. And so you can choose whether you want to listen or not, or take a break from things, from listening. But I will resource you. My whole point in talking about this is to raise our awareness, to raise our, uh, just giving us an opportunity to talk about these things, and then to give you approaches to how to rest and to sleep for your own self and for your family. I'm going to talk about digital life, technology, because it's here to stay. We have to learn how to deal with it. And it has a huge impact 
on our ability or inability to land in this moment, to get resource, to integrate our experiences, and to rest and sleep. I'm going to talk about five approaches to training yourself that you can also share with your people to get more rest and to sleep. Then I'm also going to lead you through a guided meditation to help you sleep. It is a meditation that I have used for a long time now. I recorded it for my own self years ago. I'm going to do a fresh recording for you all. And I use this when I can't go to sleep, when I have a hard time going to sleep. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I just turn this on and it helps me to sleep. It helps me to rest. So today on this podcast, I'm sharing a shorter version. And if you'd like the longer, luxurious version, come and join me and my Delightful Divas. Delightful Divas, it is my community who of, of folks who help to support this podcast. And then I give them extra stuff and things. So come join us if you want a longer version. If this nourishes you and you're like, ooh, give me some more of that. I got you covered. So in my work, I talk to people a lot about learning how to rest how to come back home to our bodies and to shift out of this chronic worry, anxiety, and go, go, go in order to then come into this moment and to have moments on a very everyday, several times a day basis of rest and digest, of softening, moving out of feeling constricted and tight and tense and into being soothed. Let me first mention sleep here. We know there's so much research out there now, especially recently that talks about the the necessity of sleep. We know it's good for us. We know we need it. And yet sometimes we just can't get it. We can't get to sleep. We can't stay asleep. We wake up early. Our bodies, so many of our bodies are wired. Our nervous systems are amped up. And that could be because of physical or hormonal changes. It could be for a whole bunch of other factors. Because I I hear from clients all the time, and it's been increasing over the last several years, maybe the last five to seven, eight years. I hear from clients more and more how it is hard to turn off that anxious brain. And in a culture of pings and dings and distractions, Learning how to rest can be so nourishing and a much-needed gift that you give yourself. And it is a skill that you can develop. So maybe you are attending to aging parents. Maybe you are a caregiver to your spouse or to siblings or other family members. Or you're a parent and you have little ones. Or you are responsible for a whole bunch of people at work. Our responsibilities, our worries, they can build up. And then when we add to it how our nervous systems are constantly being pinged and dinged because of technology, this this is like a perfect storm for then not being able to rest and to sleep. If you can't rest or sleep, if you go through your day sort of feeling anxious and distracted, you are definitely not alone. It is hard to turn off that brain at night. And because especially we're in a culture of these constant pings and dings, 
And it is our superpower to learn how to rest, to, to effectively deal with all the noises and the, the pulls on our attention, and then to lay to rest all the things we're responsible for. Because we are socialized to be productive and to prize productivity and, and also perfection. I'm speaking about living in a capitalist culture. Now, listen to this. I majored in business undergrad. I, and I am not going to preach about the, the evils of any system. Anything can just be helpful or unhelpful. Capitalism, I'm not going to get in debate about this, our capitalist culture that we live in, the unhealthy side of capitalism, one of the unhealthy sides is that there is this constant desire then for more and more and more, more money, more stuff, more power. We're socialized to want more in this kind of capitalist culture. Now, I get it in business, we have to make a profit. Businesses have to make a profit in order to in order to offer their service or offer their product. And yes, we do need to be productive. We do need innovation. But when productivity does not include care for the human being, regard for the human being, when capitalism does not include compassion for ourselves and one another and our planet, this is damaging and toxic. The unhealthy side of capitalism and this way of prizing productivity and go, go, go and, and rewarding this overworking, this robs us of our joy and our humanity. And how, have you noticed this? That we've, I have found myself seeing things that are very, like a machine, like I say something like, oh, I need to unplug and recharge. Like, like, wait a second here. We are not machines. We have these bodies that get exhausted, that get tired, that need to be renourished, nourished throughout the day, tended to. When our bodies are exhausted, we can't dream up new possibilities for our lives, for our work. Think about this for a moment. When we are in a chronic stress mode, we cannot access the part of our brains, parts of our brain, we cannot access parts of our brain that are used for creative thinking, like thinking outside the box. And instead what happens is our reptilian brain is constantly being pinged rather than going about the day having a more integrated brain. One where we can think creatively, where we have the energy and capacity to think outside the box. A few things about our nervous system. We were not meant to go, go, go. We were meant to go along with the rhythms of nature, honoring the invitation of each season. But this is hard to do in our modern culture. As I was preparing for this episode, I thought about this. Human beings existed without devices for millions of years. Think about that. Our ancestors, millions and great, 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 great for millions of years 
had no, I did not have technology in these kinds of devices. I mean, the light bulb wasn't even invented until the late 1800s. And then these handheld devices that we have that are so prevalent right now, that even come into our bedroom, I'm guilty of this too, these, these didn't even come on the scene. And they weren't really prevalent, except until like the last 20 years ago. I mean, in the history of humanity, that's not so long ago. So our nervous systems and every system in us just isn't used to the constant flashes that the constant pings and dings that that pull on our attention that disrupt us that the the pop-ups that distract us and like wait what was what was i doing on this website the dings that invade our space it's a lot for us and i really do think that a lot of our chronic fatigue is due to this constantly being on. Like my kiddos, my kiddos, I have, I have two teenagers and uh, they watch those YouTube shorts and the TikTok videos that are like 15 seconds long. And like, hey mom, look at this. And I cannot even process what's happening. It, it all goes way too quickly, the words, the images. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? And, and then think about this, teens, like, maybe you do too. Swipe again and again and again and again. Think about if someone is doing, is on a YouTube, is on watching YouTube shorts for 15 minutes and each video is 15 seconds long. Somebody do the math out there. That is a lot of time uh, online that is from the sense of, a sense from the point of view of our nervous systems. Because our nervous systems were not meant to process that many emotions, images, and sensory input. 15 second long, 15 second long videos for 15 minutes. And you know, so many of us stay on a heck of a lot longer than that. This overwhelms our nervous systems. Your body, my body, our children's bodies need rest and care, but we don't get that rest and care when we never really learn how to rest right here in the present moment and give ourselves the spaciousness our nervous systems need. So I'm about helping people grow their capacity to rest and yes, we can grow this to, to come home to ourselves and to skillfully be with what's here, whatever arises, whether that's the worry, the anxiety that we hold, even shame, even disappointment, all of sadness, grief. And also, I am about then helping to nourish our nervous systems to move out of that chronic fight or flight so we can also grow our capacity to notice the good in our lives, to allow that to to spread in us and, and to let us drop into an experience of delight and to allow that joy to soothe our nervous systems. This fundamentally is about restoring 
our connection to one another, to nature, to ourselves and to our bodies. So yes, in talking about rest and sleep, I had to talk about digital usage. I had to talk about this because it's here to stay. It's here to stay. And we got to learn to work with it in a way that is healthy because this is what I'm seeing as a psychotherapist and a coach and knowing teens as my children are on different sports teams and involved and me knowing and talking to other parents. I am concerned about the high level of anxiety, depression, and numbness that I hear so many describe to me, kids, teens, and adults. I mean, for those of us that are older, like I'm a Gen Xer, I can at least remember a time when we didn't have devices, when our nervous systems weren't so pinged and dinged all the time, when we had an opportunity to rest and digest and integrate our experiences. Most people I know now are so wired because they never have an opportunity to rest from being stimulated in some way from our devices. I tell my kiddos, they've heard me say this so many times, that there are some really smart software engineers out there whose sole job it is to figure out how to get you to stay on their company's device, app, social media, or game for as long as they can. Now, I'm not saying that all CEOs and engineers have these malicious intents and that they're not doing it responsibly, but even if there is some benevolence there, even if there's just not malintent, I am seeing such a difference in people's capacity, in people's, in in clients who come to me and their ability to deal with difficult or uncomfortable feelings, not having the resiliency to deal with anxious or depressed or numb feelings. So I wanted to share today because this is serious and this digital life is here to stay. Technology is here. It's not going away. So we got to live with it. How can we live with it in a way that is mindful and with boundaries? We need boundaries around our devices to protect our sleep and to protect our nervous systems from constantly being overwhelmed. This has a direct impact on our mental health and our ability to rest and to sleep. We need practices in place to counter that really strong pull of our devices. And I'm here with you all. Like just the other week, I had a pretty tough week. I didn't really give myself the space that I, the adequate space that I needed that I'm going to talk about with some of these practices. I didn't give myself that There were just a lot of needs too that were coming up as a clinician, as a a coach, as a parent. And I sat down at the end of the week and I watched a Netflix show and way too many episodes. I'm, I'm even embarrassed to tell you. I'm embarrassed to tell you how many. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. 
So when we enter into those kinds of things, like that kind of behavior, when we see that, like we, when we're just needing to zone out and numb out, that's an indicator that we've been overwhelmed. And we want to pay attention to that. I want to talk a little bit about teens and my concern for them. So I asked some teens about their life on devices and with friends, and they gave me so much insight into their lives. And I want to share some of these insightful things. Like one teen told me, you know, our, our life is online. Our friends are online. Our are whether that's the friends from different activities they're involved in or their school, everybody's online. And so there is a pressure to respond quickly to messages and to texts on Snapchat or Discord. And you can't let too much time pass between. There's this pressure to respond. And there is this pressure, there's this assumption that you're kind of always on. Like kids start to wonder if you haven't responded within a couple of minutes. That's a huge amount of pressure. Another uh, another teen told me that let's say you let's say you don't feel too okay, in order to avoid difficult feelings. Because that's what happens. They're avoiding difficult feelings, avoiding sometimes that like something is hard in real life. And maybe they don't have the skills or the capacity to deal with that discomfort of something hard in in their in-person life. Well, then they turn to going online. Like, for example, have you ever seen a teen who gets someplace, gets to an event, and instead of having to be with the discomfort of arriving and people aren't really there yet and you got to sit there and wait or stand there and wait, I got to go into a football game or a sporting event or any other kind of event, well, they get on their phone. And that's to then avoid the discomfort of feeling awkward, of feeling like, oh, what are people going to think and all the things. So it's an avoidance strategy sometimes too, but it's an avoidance avoidance strategy that comes at a cost because that just going online, the way it stimulates the brain of what we've talked about is that like, it's not actually helping their nervous system to regulate in that moment. Something one of the, a teen told me is like also to this, let's say you like something that isn't so cool or popular at your school, like Dungeons and Dragons. And people might think you're weird, but, but of course, there's an online group for that. And you get into that online group and you feel like you belong. And you, and and in that group, you don't have to be afraid that people make fun of you because they all like the same thing too. Let's also talk about gender identity and sexual orientation. So you, maybe something that isn't going to, you're, is isn't going to be accepted by the people in your life or or a team perceives that. And so you go online and you find a group. And so what ends up happening is you spend less time in in in-person life and more time online. You go online to find a place where you belong and people who are like you. 
we, our teens need that. They need to be a part of groups where they do feel like they are seen and they belong. But, and this is what I heard from teens, is then what happens is all, this is a quote, all of my time then is spent online over those Discord chats or Snapchats with people who you don't really know, even if you think you know them online. There's not the closeness of, or maybe there's a false sense of closeness with people online. You don't interact with them on this kind of daily basis. And you don't have to be in the discomfort. You can just, oh, when you're uncomfortable with something online, you can just, oh, get out of off your device. So of course our teens then don't have this capacity, this ability to be with discomfort. There's this lack of resiliency And then coupled with the constant pings and dings and constantly having to be on, that's a lot. That's a lot for teens to be dealing with. Like if I, if I had wanted to be on the phone way after I was supposed to be right when I was, when I was young and I would, I would have had to, in order to talk to a friend. I'd have to sneak downstairs, get on the phone in the kitchen, take that that curly cord and go into the the hall closet and then hide in there so that I could talk to a friend. And here's the thing though, is max I was talking to one or two people. I can't remember if we had like that call where you could talk to a few different people at once. And then at some point the conversation ended. We hung up the phone no one could contact me until the next day in school. I got a break. Like, think about it for us Gen Xers and older. We got a break. Our kids today do not get breaks. And yet, we were not designed to always be on and available. And that goes the same thing, not only for our children's maturing nervous systems, but also for our nervous systems. We were not designed to constantly be pinged and dinged with emails, responding to things, and always available. So I hope I've made a case for these these next five practices or approaches to learning how to rest and to sleep and to build this superpower to rest and sleep to protect our peace, to protect our brains, to nourish our bodies and our nervous systems. So now I'd like to go into these approaches. I love it. I cannot wait to share these things with you. Okay, so let's talk about these things. The first approach that I want to talk to you about in order to get the rest that we need throughout the day is this incorporating micro moments of rest throughout the day. Incorporating micro moments to rest throughout the day. I'm going to share with you some of the practices that that we've been doing. Micro rests. Let me explain this first. Micro rests. Pick an activity that you do every day and you maybe do a few times today, do a few times in a day. And then make a practice to take a micro rest. What do I mean by a micro rest? A rest, even as I'm doing this right now and sharing with you, I'm closing my eyes. 
A micro rest is one where you rest the senses. Rest the senses. What you see, what you hear, taste, touch. You give yourself a rest for your nervous system and your senses. I'm going to give you a few examples of what we've done as a family and what we're trying to do. So one of the ways that we have a micro rest is, okay, so an activity that we have every day is we're in the car. So we're in the car, taking the kiddos to school and, and picking them up. And then also going to different practices, uh, different uh, events and things like that. So in the car, short trips, I have implemented no phones, no phones. Now there's a couple different degrees of this. So let me share the, the, the literally no phones. Okay. No phones, meaning no videos, no YouTube shorts, no TikToks. Now, and, and, and sometimes no music, no music. I know some of you might be thinking, oh, there's no way, no way I could, I could implement this. Just hear me out. There's degrees to this that we can do. In the short rides, I tell my kiddos, I'm about educating them because they are eventually going to be making more and more and more on their own. They're going to be making decisions and I'm not there to shift things or to, or to guide them. They'll have to have, they're, they're becoming their own, having their own internal guidance system. So I give them, I, I, I give them information about like your nervous system needs a break. So here's a way of just when you're in the car for short distances, no devices. Next level up would be, because they've asked before, is like, what about music? Okay. So sometimes what I'll do is, yes, the kids will be on their own devices listening to music. All right. That's at least a little bit better than just being visually stimulated. And at least they're they're probably listening to a full song or they're listening to a podcast. And it's not so, uh, they're not being so inundated with emotions and processing things and uh, and that kind of distraction of like short videos or or things. Sometimes I, I've been like, hey, let me hear some of the music you guys are listening to. And my kiddos, actually, I've been really surprised at this. They're like, oh, let me show you. And so they play DJ now. And I try to listen to their music and take it in. And sometimes I actually like it. And it's fun to listen to. It's a bonding moment, which I will get to in a, in a moment. Like the importance of connection. Let me just say this now. Connection is so soothing for our nervous systems, connecting with our own bodies, connecting with each other, so nourishing. So when you can have moments of connection, it is wonderfully nourishing for the nervous system. So my kids always don't, don't always like this. I say like, like we're just going to hang out. And sometimes that means silence because they're mad. They're mad that that uh, they have to be off their devices or they're at least frustrated or they're coming down off of always being on. And so there's some agitation in them. They might be annoyed with me and I say like, I'm okay. I can, I can take that. I can take that annoyance. 
because I know that they're, even if they're annoyed with me and they're feeling those uncomfortable feelings, they're feeling them. They're feeling them. And so they're building this ability, this capacity to be with difficult feelings, uncomfortable feelings. So again, micro rests, pick an activity you do in your everyday life, maybe a few times a day, and make a practice of resting your senses. Maybe for your own self, when you're in the car by yourself, what if, what if you didn't have any music on once in a while? And I know many of you might be listening to this podcast when you are driving or when you're on a walk or you're out for a run. What if, I'm just getting curious about this, what would it be like to go without any stimulation just for a little bit? Now, I know that this might sound really crazy and be too much for someone. So you could titrate it. Maybe it's not every time you get into the car or every walk or every run. Don't make that kind of big promise to yourself. Instead, maybe it's like once a week. Say like on Mondays, I'm just quiet. If I'm in the car, I go for a run, go for a walk. I'm just going to be quiet. See what that's like. Or maybe it's like just on this two-minute ride to the grocery store, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to anything. Might even roll down the windows a little bit and, and, and hear the wind coming in. Or just bring my attention to what I'm what I'm seeing. What if walking or running just five minutes, five minutes, what if you listened to your breath or the sounds outside? What's that like? Micro-arrests, picking an activity you do every day and making it a practice to rest the senses. I'll give you another example. I So I see clients every day. And between clients, so the majority of time between clients, I'm going to even say 90% of the time between clients, I do not get on my device. I try not to. I and and I I I don't get some more work done. I literally just rest. Literally sometimes I will rest on my couch. And I set a little alarm so that I don't fall asleep. A micro rest. I especially need that between Zoom meetings because I want to I want to be resourced and nourished so that I am giving I am giving my best. I'm showing up present and alive and 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 nourished and having access to to my creative ideas, to my intuition. Like don't you want that out of a coach or a therapist? Or how about your doctor or a lawyer? or accountant. You want your accountant, your lawyer, your doctor, nurse to be rested. Micro rests so that we are nourished for our own selves and we are nourished for the people that we serve. So ask yourself right now, what's something I do every day, a few times a day, where I could insert a micro rest? 
The second approach to really nourishing our nervous systems and and supporting rest is to have boundaries that promote rest. Boundaries that promote rest. So again, there's lots of different ideas out there. I'm just going to throw out some ideas to you and see what you think, see what agrees with you, and what you want to try or get curious about and play with. Find what's right for you and your family. So here's a boundary that we have that promotes rest. Like the thing in the car, like no phones. At dinner, okay, we try to have dinner together, the four of us, at least three times a week. That means sitting down at a table. That might be for five minutes or 30 minutes, but we try to sit down and eat together. Now, this isn't always possible, but we do try it. It is, uh, my husband, Brian, and I, we really try to keep that as, as sacred time. And one of the things that we try to do is to have no phones at dinner. No phones at dinner. So often I have brought my phone to dinner. It's just sitting right there next to me. And then, oh, there's something that I want to refer to while we're, while we're at dinner. We're talking about it. I'm like, wait a second. Uh-uh, stop, stop. Let this be sacred time. A sacred boundary that promotes rest and connection. Here's another thing that a lot of parents, friends and I talk about is, do we allow phones or devices in their rooms? We bought our children alarm clocks, like the ones that could just be either a tone or if that's too harsh, then a, uh, have a little radio to them. And then somehow the phones get back into their rooms. And again, as my oldest is getting older and having to make some decisions for himself or just helping him to decide like, hey, wait a second, like how to, how to get a break and to consider not putting it in his room. I mean, a lot of families too, they just have a docking station somewhere like in the kitchen or the family room. And that's where you dock it at a certain time at night. We've tried some of that too. So maybe do your kids need an old fashioned alarm clock? Because listen, nobody needs to contact a kiddo in the middle of the night. Now, I know with us, with us adults, it becomes like so many of us don't have a home phone anymore. So if there was an emergency from other family members, they wouldn't be able to contact us. Okay. But now we've got that feature, right? On most phones that it's a do not disturb, except for like, for example, except for Brian's parents or my parents or one of my siblings And we can communicate to our extended family that we don't live with that this is what we're doing. We're putting a boundary in place and to only call you if there is a true emergency. So I know this this might be triggering because again, think about that for a second. If we're triggered with this, some of it may be, gosh, some of this addiction that we have to our devices. I want to share this because a lot of you who are listening are responsible for a lot of people in your work. Um, Maybe you're like a senior partner at a firm. You have a lot of people working for you. 
you are the president of the organization or the executive director. And over the years of talking to CEOs or leaders who are in, responsible for a lot of lives, anywhere from five to 5,000, I've done a lot of research too on what wise CEOs do. And one of the things that I promote and support people in leaderships doing, leadership positions doing, is to block out do-nothing time in their schedules, to schedule time for themselves. I could make this into a whole podcast episode about the self-care for leaders. Maybe I'll do that sometime. The boundary around this, the one that I'm talking about right now, this one boundary that I want to talk to you about is scheduling do-nothing time. And in that time, whether it is 15 minutes or it's one hour, no one can contact them. They're not to be disturbed. And they aren't doing anything in that time that, that is about productivity. It is not goal-oriented. It is literally just resting their senses doing something creative that that is not about their work. It is not about about generating new ideas. That is a different thing to schedule. This is about do nothing time. Now, I know this might make many of you uncomfortable, but it's because you're just not used to it yet. And the more and more you do nothing, the more it becomes, this is so soothing and you will do it more and more. Do nothing time. It is resting for the senses. It is rest for the senses. It could be meditating. It could be playing with something in some way, not an online device. It could be doing a little bit of create, like writing, writing poetry, but that's just for them or painting something as do nothing time. And that's a whole nother thing about like exercise and family time. Those are other things to schedule. I call these, I call, okay, Stephen Covey's four quadrants. Have you heard of that? Okay. Four quadrants, Stephen Covey, the, the important, but not urgent, that upper right box, right hand box. That's what I call the CEO box. And in order to make those important, but not urgent things happen is we have to schedule them. And one of the things that I talk to wise or to help leaders become wise leaders is to schedule do nothing time. Because, okay, so wise leaders know that when they have, they trust this and they know it and they've had the experience of it is that when they have a well-rested brain and body, that is actually when they can think more clearly. After taking that time, they can think more clearly, make better decisions, and they actually have more access to creativity. Let me say that again. Wise leaders know that when they have a well-rested brain and body, that this is when they can think more clearly, make better, wiser decisions, and they have more creativity available to them. So we have micro rests 
incorporating moments of micro rests and putting in boundaries that promote rest. The third approach that I want to talk to you about is rituals to rest, incorporating rituals that help you rest to sleep. So of course, the biggest ritual that maybe you're thinking about right now is about how you end your day, how you go in to sleep. I want to talk about even before you go into sleep, before you start to go to sleep and get into your bed. Let me ask you this question. When do you end your day? When would you say that the end of your day is? Is that when you walk out of your office if you're working from home? Is that when you close down your computer or your mobile device? Is that when you shut off the lights of the kitchen and it's cleaned up or whatever? Is it when you leave the office? Like when when do you end your day? Are there rituals around that, that, that the, these cues that you do that give your body and brain the cues that it's like, okay, this is enough for one day. Now, I remember a time when I could literally leave my job and then on my way home, there were no smartphones or devices and I was done for the day. That was a long time ago. Now, I know that even if we go into an office, so many of us are in positions now where, um, and because of our devices, that we take the office with us on our devices. We were, it's, it's the culture to check email and text and to be responsive. Even, and, and even more so for those of us who, who have some kind of hybrid, hybrid setup or we work from home. What's the separation between work and home? I have had to work with so many executives who talk about how do I create the separation? So this gets into culture. This gets into corporate culture, the, the culture of the organization or the institution. And that's one of the things that I love to do on a group level too. And that I love to talk to senior executives about, about like, so how do you create a culture that really is about nourishing your greatest asset, which is your employees? And one of the things that we talk about in shifting the culture is having boundaries around work. When you, when you're your employees and yourself included are going to be off for the night and begin again. And there's oh, and there's so many other rituals that and and boundaries that I love to talk to people about. Again, based on their industry, based on the corporate culture and the vision that they have, I am telling you, the organizations that value well-being are the ones that are going to thrive. Employees are going to stay there. They're going to stay dedicated because they're regarded and because quite frankly, they're healthy and nourished. Rituals. When do you close up shop for the night? 
I suggested this to one of my clients who is a senior partner at a firm. She is responsible for a lot of people and she's a parent. And we talked about how she is always on and, and has this vibe of always having to be available. And we decided to change things up for their corporate culture. And within her direct reports of when and, and the side of the business that she could influence. So I'm always looking with people about what they can influence. So maybe you can't change everything and every and the whole corporate culture, the culture as a whole, but what can you shift and change? So she started to talk about people before profits. People before profits. Now, I get it. An organization needs to make money, needs to make a profit, but how much really? And at what cost? Because well-rested employees make smarter, safer, and less hurried decisions. They think more creatively. Well-rested employees make smarter, safer, less hurried decisions, and they think more creatively. So when I was talking to my client, we decided that she would talk to her direct reports and to support them too in this practice. A time, identifying a time when they close up shop for the night. No more texts and messages and a starting point for the morning. A starting point for the morning. Another client that I work with who had this ability in her work and in her schedule And even though, again, there was some pushback at first, like, oh, I can't do this, I can't. And then we figured it out. She was saying that she needed much more quiet time to, or personal time too, just to exercise and to take care of her family. She told her team, and then she helped with also with her direct reports, that they too could do this, that there would be a time when she wouldn't be available until like in the morning, that was that was when her her time was. Other people ended up deciding sometimes even during the day. She told her team that she wouldn't be available until 9 a.m. every day. Not 6 a.m., not 8 a.m., 9 a.m. And there was pushback at first. But then she started to be, she started to model this and then be a model for others, other managers and executives on her level. They even started to do this too, because they recognized this didn't affect her, her ability to perform. It actually, it actually even made her even more creative because she was resourced and nourished. She was thriving more. So I know that this can be challenging to people right now as they're listening. And I can often hear, oh, I can't do that. Well, you can't keep going the way you've been going. Eventually, the body wins. Eventually, you can't go, go, go anymore. So I challenge your, I can't do that, and start exploring what you might be able to do to influence the culture of your family and your workplace. Start asking yourself, what can I do within the givens in, of the culture of my family and my workplace? And you just play with it. You try it out. Just like how Brian and I are trying out different practices with the phones and devices, car, uh, rooms, dinner. Try it out. Years ago, 
uh, at Georgetown University, we uh, we created a wellness break and we we tested this out with our benefits department. So every Wednesday, every Wednesday for half an hour, employees could do anything that they wanted. Like they they didn't have to. They, we just asked that they be off their devices, that they do something fun for themselves that didn't have anything related to work, could go for a walk, they could play uh, a game, do puzzles, talk to a friend. And this was, an, this was not out of their lunch hour, they still had lunch hour, and they didn't have to work a longer day. And we encouraged them with different wellness activities that that we had to, that we would offer. Um, I mean, people could water their plants. They could have any kind of conversation. And the whole point of it was that you got a break to just tend to you. It's like it was scheduled kind of do nothing or fun time. I love, love, love coaching and consulting with organizations who have leaders who realize that their most important asset is their employees. And again, the more and more I, uh, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing how workplace cultures that are toxic and do not support wellness will not thrive in the future. Younger generations than me, like the millennials and the older Gen Zs, they're not tolerating this kind of what what Gen Xers we've been doing and baby boomers to like, just go along with what authority says and what they want. And, and nope, our younger generations, and I love this, are saying, nope, heck no, I need a life. I need a life. So try this out. Bring in rituals to rest, boundaries that promote rest, and these micro rests. These help to build our capacity to rest and that they nourish our nervous systems. The fourth approach that I want to bring up, I call bonding breaks. Bonding breaks. And this is especially for families and then actually uh, actually for all of us. Let me, let me share this. A few years ago, my son asked if I'd take him snowboarding. Now, many of you know this story. So he asked me to go snowboarding and if I'd take him, I said, you know what, I'm going to try it with you because I, I'm i pretty athletic and I was like, I can try this out. Well, I soon figured out like this is not right for me, <laughs> whereas my son absolutely loved it and he just, he just took to it and is awesome today at snowboarding. He had such a good time. He came back and he shared with his younger sister that he had a good time. And uh, my daughter then said, I want to go too, but I'd want to go skiing. Could you take me? And so I said, well, sure, let's do this. So my son would snowboard and I would do skiing with her. Now I had skied maybe one or two times before in my 20s. And this is when I was in my 40s now. And we did it and we absolutely loved it. We loved it. I love skiing with my family. And my, my husband joined us a few years later after he took care of some, some knee stuff and things. I love it because we are outside for long periods of time without looking at our devices. This gives us a bonding break. It's an opportunity to connect and hang out and be together and not 
be on our devices. It gives us a break from all that artificial stimulation. Now, another bonding break that I hear people talk about, and although this is like watching a movie together, you're still, and you're in front of a TV, you're not like on a screen individually, like four inches from your face or flipping and and swiping. So like sitting down and watching a movie together. I know it can be hard to find a movie that everybody can watch. I know that can be hard, but that is, it's better than all of us being on our individual advice devices sometimes. And, and again, all that swiping and constant stimulation, stimulation. So sitting down to watch a TV together. Some of my clients have talked about like bedtime rituals, these bonding moments with their children. We still now with our teen and tween, we'll, we'll say goodnight at least and, and check in and say we love them. But you could have a longer bedtime ritual with some of the younger ones. This bonding break, times of connection. I want to I wanna point out that uh, there's a podcast episode, that a, a previous one that I want to bring your attention to. It's about giving adventures and experiences over stuff. And I have a whole podcast on that about this idea of giving our children these experiences with them or them and their buddies and, and going on adventures versus giving more stuff. The point that I want to talk about with bonding breaks is that that connection heals. Connection heals. It heals and nourishes our nervous systems it buffers us. We are relational beings and we thrive with healthy connection on a regular basis. And if you don't have children or they are out of the house, you're single, schedule time to talk with a good friend. Go for a walk with a friend. Pet a dog or pet someone else's dog. We need moments of bonding, of connecting, bonding breaks, bonding breaks. And finally, now let's talk about sleep, sleep, protecting your sleep, protecting your sleep is the fifth approach to being rested, well rested that I'd like to share with you. Good sleep hygiene. Just Google it. There are so we kind of all know what we're supposed to do. Like get off your device at least an hour before bedtime. This sounds crazy, but two would be awesome. Would be so helpful. I'm still trying to go for that. I think one day last week, I had two hours between when I was on a device, even sneaking like one little email. Two hours, two hours. I think I had one day next or last week. I'm going to try for two days this week. Do something soothing before bedtime. Wind down. Give yourself a lot of time to wind down. Taking a bath, some uh, some chamomile tea. And then during the day to help you sleep, get exercise, move your body, and then get sunshine every day. Sunshine every day, especially right when you wake up. That helps to set your circadian rhythm, like waking up with the sun 
and getting outside and that really helps to set your circadian rhythm. Protecting your sleep, protecting your sleep. I want to share now in a moment this meditation that I do that helps me fall asleep. And again, I'm going to share with you this shorter version. And if you love, if, if this is like, ooh, this is so good and so nourishing, then sign up for my Delightful Divas. Sign up to be a part of one of the contributors, a part of this community that helps to support this podcast. And then let me guide you into sleep. But before we end, let me just wrap this up. Rest is the new superpower. We can build up that power with micro rests throughout the day, boundaries, rituals that help us rest, bonding breaks, and then protecting our sleep with good sleep hygiene and having a guided experience that can help you sleep. So if you're ready for a rest, if you're ready to go to sleep, you can go ahead and listen to this guided experience. And if it's safe to do so, if it's safe for you to take a break and to listen to this, or if you're already into bed, wonderful. This meditation is designed to help you rest when you need to take a break, even in the middle of the day to feel a sense of rest and digest and being softened and soothed, to give your senses a break. You can also use it in the evening to help you fall asleep. This meditation is based on Yoga Nidra, the yoga of sleep, with adaptations that I have found helpful for my, for my own self and also in guiding others for so long now. So it can be a companion to you, no matter where you are, whether you are sitting on an airplane, or you're a passenger in a car, or you're lying down in a bed in a new space, like in a hotel, or if you are in your own comfy bed. So take a few moments and stretch, move, wiggle. You might stretch, reach up folding forward, do a few little twists. Hmm. And then, then invite your body to get comfortable. Many do this meditation lying down, but you can also do this sitting up if the space doesn't allow for you to, to lie down. And as you settle into the position of your body that's comfortable, invite yourself to be just 2% more comfortable. What would 2% more comfortable be like? What would support that? Is it having a sweater or a blanket or warmer socks? Is it a shift in your position? Give yourself this gift of allowing yourself to be comfortable. And then place your arms, hands, fingers, 
legs, feet, and toes in a way that feels supported and where they can rest. Make sure your back is supported in a way that allows you to rest. And then soften or close your eyes. And then take a few breaths. Feel the waves of the breath coming in and out. You might take a few breaths where you exhale fully, where you feel the the belly button going back toward the spine on exhale. And emptying all the way out from the lower lobes of the lungs, which allows for then a nice cleansing inhale. And then just let the breath be, let it arrive and and leave just organically on its own, however it is today and in this moment. And then you might notice the sounds, the sounds in the room. the sounds that are further away. And then the sounds that are closer to you, like returning to your breath again, the sound of your breath. And then bringing your attention to your eyes, softening around the eyes, whether they are softened or closed, softening around the eyes, maybe even thanking them for all the work they do in a day. Softening around the jaw, Softening into the mouth, the tongue, letting, letting the tongue be full and plump in the mouth. Feeling a little bit of a separation between the upper jaw and lower jaw. A softening of the lips. A softening into your brain. Just imagine that your brain is softening. Letting yourself sink deeper into being here, the head being supported. And then softening into the throat, the front and the back of the throat. And softening into the shoulders, feeling the backs of the shoulders being supported and feeling the collarbones being expansive, creating a nice expansive chest, a gentle opening across the heart space. 
softening along the mid-back and the lower back. Extending this invitation to soften into the belly. Into the organs of the belly. Into the pelvis. And into the buttocks. Inviting the arms to soften from the upper arm to the forearms, down through the hands and the fingers, extending an invitation to soften. Softening into the legs. through the thighs, the knees, the calves and the shins, and softening into the feet and the toes. So feeling this wave of softening with each inhale and exhale, extending an invitation, no demands, just invitation. And letting your body be supported, allowing yourself to be held and supported by whatever you're sitting on or lying on. Letting gravity be your friend. So just notice what has shifted in you right now. This is a variation of the opening that I use in the meditation that I'll be sharing with my community. And then I take people through various parts of the body of noticing And then we go into some spaciousness, feeling spaciousness in different parts of the body. And so, so nourishing. So if you have received any comfort from this, any stillness and calmness, feeling more grounded. And if you'd like to go further, I invite you to join us. And I'll leave a, a, a note in, in the show notes, a link in the show notes. So may you and your dear ones be rested and in building your capacity to rest and to sleep so that you thrive and your, and your light shines with those that you work with those that you serve. And so that you feel the sense of alignment 
with your true and authentic self. So thank you for joining me today. Until next time, may you be delighted.